So our reading this morning is from the book of Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went into the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces on the ground, the man said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that a son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanne, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Eleven. But this word seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the leaning clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Praise God. Amen. Great, thank you so much, Blessing. Well, uh, my name's JP, I'm part of the staff team here, and uh, happy Easter to you all. It's great to celebrate together, isn't it? I'm dying to ask, has anyone achieved the feat as yet of eating an entire Easter egg this morning? Anyone gone for that? Anyone started their Easter eggs early and went yesterday? Oh, there's a couple of guilty hands around the room. Well, uh, we might not have achieved the feat of an entire egg today, but people have, uh, have tried to make all sorts of achievements over Easter, haven't they? they uh, uh, who wants to see the largest Easter egg that has ever been made? Fully chocolate, coming up on the screen now. This is the largest Easter egg, 34 feet tall. That's about five of me. And uh, that, that was in Italy. I don't think it's there anymore, so uh, uh, cancel those travel plans to get over there and start eating it. But obviously an Easter egg this size would need to be delivered by an Easter bunny of equal magnitude. <laughs> and so here this one is. Isn't that the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life? Sorry for any nightmares that come tonight from that. Uh, that one's in Brazil. I hope they had the air conditioning on, that's all I can say. But um, whatever these achievements of Easter are, they are of course upstaged by the achievement that we celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the consequences of the resurrection ripple throughout eternity, don't they? The resurrection changes everything, everything. It's how we know that Jesus is alive today. It's how we know that there is hope beyond the grave. It's how we know that God keeps his promises. And because the resurrection changes everything, God's offer to us today is that we can live in the new resurrection life that it affords. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can live and does live in us. And so today, I want to talk about the story of someone for whom the resurrection changed everything. I want to talk about a guy called Peter, who if you're new to the Bible, then Peter was one of uh, Jesus' closest friends. Uh, he followed him around for the three years where Jesus was uh, teaching and telling people what God was like. And uh, Peter was from a pretty humble background. He was a little bit mouthy, actually, was old Peter. Uh, he was a little bit like a puppy dog, sort of super enthusiastic, kind of running in with his comments without necessarily thinking about the consequences of them. 
But in Peter, when he met Jesus, he was given a life of purpose. He was given a life of significance. He was given opportunities that he just never would have had. And he'd seen Jesus give hope to the hopeless. And he'd seen Jesus heal the hurting. And he'd seen Jesus help the heartbroken. And nobody had become something. A small-time northern peasant had become a witness to God on earth. And for Peter, in seeing Jesus work, the impossible had suddenly become possible. And as a result of this change in in Peter's life, Peter had put his whole hope, his whole trust in this man Jesus. And yet we know on that very first Easter Sunday morning, right at the start of the passage that Blessing read out, Peter's hope, Peter's life was in tatters. You see, not only had he seen his closest friend, the one that he thought was God on earth, not only had he seen him brutally blooded and beaten and broken, hanging on the cross, but right at the moment when Jesus had needed Peter the most, Peter had utterly let him down. And in the run-up to these events, Peter had been asked three times, do you know this man? And fearful of the recriminations, he'd looked Jesus in the face and denied that he even knew him. If we were to read slightly earlier from the the passage that was just read out, it says that as Peter denied Jesus for the third time, the Lord, that's Jesus, turned and looked at Peter. Imagine that. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he'd said to him, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He'd failed. He'd utterly failed. Peter's life with Jesus was now dead. Peter's great adventure was dead. Peter's great hope was now literally and metaphorically dead. And we can all relate to Peter in those circumstances in some way. Some things that we've put our lives in that suddenly we've found it's all in tatters. You need only look at the news this week, don't you? You know, you ask some of the fans of the Australian cricket team or the cricket officials, finding that their players, their captain wasn't all that they thought they were because they were human. You ask in the news this week, I think it was Bargain Booze was the latest one to go. You know, in a long line of your Maplin and Toys R Us and BHS, people who put their hope in the jobs offered by those employers, their hopes in tatters. For me, a little bit like Freya's spoken word earlier, before I became a Christian, my hopes were all in my own performance or my own reputation or my own achievements until I realized that the whole thing just came crashing in on me as I just couldn't compete with the world. You see, the things of the world around us are time limited. They won't give the fulfillment that we long for and that we need. Eventually, they will just let us down. And yet Jesus Christ is different. Jesus Christ is different because this is a resurrection story. This is a story that confounds expectations. This is a story of new hope, of new life, a story with a God behind it who fulfills every promise that he makes. 
And so when those women who's seen and heard the news of the resurrection of Jesus came to the disciples, the followers of Jesus, and told them the news, Peter took notice. Peter took notice. Because if Jesus was alive, then so was his hope. And if Jesus was alive, then there was a way back for him. And if Jesus was alive, then not even death or his own failure or his own mistakes were the final outcome of the situation. We see in in verse 12, maybe we can perhaps have it on the screen, that when Peter heard the news, it says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Peter rose. Just like his saviour, he rose. Just like his hope, he rose. Just like the adventure that had seemingly died with Jesus, Peter rose. And as he stood up, there was more than just a physical action that was taking place. Peter was rising up from a life of shame, a life of guilt, a life of regret. Peter rose up because in Jesus rising from the dead, Peter knew that Jesus was alive once again to lead him and to restore him and to give him fresh hope. He knew that the power of the own mess that he'd created, his own sin, his own rebellion against God had been defeated and he knew that new resurrection life was available. The battle for the hearts of men and women had been won. The resurrection changed everything for him. And because Jesus is alive today, then he's alive to give you new life too. Right here, right now. And to tell you that not even death or your failures or any mistakes you've made, they're not the final outcome to raise you up from any shame that you feel or guilt or regret that you feel, to lead you, to restore you, to give you fresh hope. You see, for me, when I became a Christian, it was at a a youth event, and the title of of the event that evening was, Who Would You Like to Have a One-to-One With? And uh, back in those days, One-to-One was a a phone company. It was a, a contemporary reference. And the realization for me on that night, was that because of the resurrection, I could have a one-to-one with Jesus Christ. And that my achievements or my reputation or my performance just didn't matter anymore because I had access to God. Peter rose. He says that Peter rose and he ran to the tomb. Now in those days, just like today, it was quite unusual to see people running. And I wonder if you've had this in Nottingham Market Square, where you see someone running. And I think people running fit into one of three categories. First off, there are the outright runners. And for me to identify in this category, those people must be dressed fully in running garb and have an accompanying look of pain on their face to show that they are in the running category one people. Category two, are people who are running for a bus. And I wonder if any of us here are prepared to admit that when someone runs for a bus and the bus drives off, we find it just a little bit amusing. Any? Maybe it's just me. 
But the third category, which perhaps you might not have thought of, are those who are running and one conclusion runs through your mind. Running through the town centre, no other explanation, they must be a criminal. That must be what is going on. There must be a security guard about to run after them. There must be a policeman just round the corner. They are running away from something. And in a funny kind of way, that's actually what Peter was doing. Not in a criminal sense, but running away from something. Running away from his old life running free from something that he no longer needed to live in, running away from his guilt, his mistakes, his old life, running free from those things. You see, when Jesus died, he died to take away all of the mess that we had made, all of our mistakes, all of our times where we'd not put God right at the center, all of the times we'd failed him. He died to take those things away. And in rising again, he showed that if we believe in him, those things have no power over us anymore. That our guilt and our mistakes and our life lived away from God need not define us. Peter ran away from his old life. And he ran into new resurrection life. For him, he ran to the empty tomb. The symbol that Jesus was risen from the dead. His life now forever entwined with that of his savior. Jesus had been dead as had Peter. And now in Jesus being literally raised to life, Peter's hopes, Peter's dreams, Peter's adventures were once again raised to life as he rose into new resurrection life. You see, for Peter, this broken insignificant letdown of a man. New resurrection life looked totally different. He ran in fresh power. He ran as someone for whom the victory of the resurrection changed the entire outcome. He ran as someone who knew that he was forgiven and set free. And he continued to run in this resurrection life. If we were to read on slightly further from the, um, the, the account that was read earlier, the same author, after describing Jesus' life and death and resurrection, then goes on in a later book to describe some of the acts of the early followers of Jesus. And what do we see? We see Peter running in resurrection life. You see, when Jesus' followers needed someone to lead them in a key moment, it was Peter who stepped forward when there was a crowd wondering what on earth was going on, as God came to live amongst his people, it was Peter who stepped forward and explained to them, and so many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. It was Peter who healed a lame beggar. It was Peter who testified before the authorities that Jesus was alive and that it changed everything. For Peter, the resurrection made him entirely new entirely different, utterly unrecognizable from the old Peter that we saw. And if it can do it for him, then it can do it for us today. 
God's offer to us is to live in the new resurrection life that he gives. And whether this is the first time that you've ever considered these things, and you know that you want to take all of the mistakes or the shame or the guilt or the things that you never wish people ever saw or the things where you know God just hasn't been at the center of your life and you want to accept Jesus' offer to swap them, him having taken the just punishment those things deserved and you now left with his perfect record of life lifts. If you want to be raised up into new resurrection life, to be empowered by him, then you can do that today. But even if this is the hundredth time that you've heard this, the resurrection is a reminder to us that we now live a life of power and that the works that Jesus did and that he then told his followers to do, the impossible now becomes possible and that the sin or the habits that used to define us now no longer have power over us, no longer have mastery over us, because the resurrection has defeated every power that binds. The resurrection is a reminder that we can come together as people from all sorts of backgrounds and celebrate together as we together are united by him, united in him, as our lives are connected with him, as he was raised from the dead, so also when we die, we will be raised to live with him forever. It's a reminder that we have access and power to the supernatural. It's a reminder that there is hope beyond the grave. It's a reminder that Jesus, seated in glory, is utterly in control of every circumstance, every challenge, and every component of your life. For Peter and for us, the resurrection changes everything.